0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey.
1: Thanks, Wes. Well, good morning, church family. It's good to be together today. As we were singing that song, I was... Flashing back to this week, Wednesday night, with our men's group, and just the uh, we were talking about the reality that we Jesus said we don't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Like our soul gets its life and its energy from His Word, and so what if in our in our communities, in our small groups, as in our friendships. One of the things that we said to each other, or we could just throw out there to to talk about is, hey, man, what what word are you living on right now? You know, like, what word are you living on? Like, it's, it's the pizza that you're eating right now. It's the protein shake. It's the, and I was thinking, that song, you know what word that comes out of? Psalm 23, 6, surely, for sure. Goodness and love is going to hound me all the days of my life. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? I don't know what your future looks like, but I was thinking, you know, that even when my future seems so uncertain. But to be able to take that word and ingest it, metabolize it, and live on it, like, it's true. And the joy that that gives us and the hope that that gives us, that's how we live, isn't it? And I, I just love So thankful the Lord said that to us. Guys, live on the Word, and I'm going to give you my Word. Well, today we huddle up with Him hours before He he goes to the cross, and we get to listen in to the words of life, the words of direction, energy that He will give to His followers to help them go be a blessing when He's not with them. So... Really excited about what God's going to give to us. Thank you for being here today, and good to be together. We uh, before we dive into this, though, I do need to just say a big, big thank you for loving big on me through this uh, crossing that somewhat painful milestone of fifty years on earth. And uh, you showered me with these cards last week that I I read them on Monday. And you talked, Martin, or uh, Mark Twain said you could live a month on a compliment. Well, I've, you gave me enough um, just love that I could live. I'm good for the next two decades, but I so appreciate it. I thought I'd share just a brief example, handmade from Emily and Shelby Miller. And a number of these cards were. Shelby was, was so kind in, in putting, even drawing the birthday cake with, all 50 candles are on here and said some really sweet things. And then her sister, Emily, When Emily talks, she has great credibility because this is a picture of her. When she had, you you know, you go to do the project, she chooses Jesus. And and so it's telling people about Jesus all day long in her school. Afterwards, she said, Mom, that was exhausting. And her mom was like, Now you know how Jesus felt, why he needed a nap. (laughs) But she wrote this Dear Pastor John, I love having you as a preacher. You are so funny and kind. I couldn't have a better pastor than you. You are an awesome Christian. You are so nice. I am glad you're a Do you need anything else? I mean, read that once a week, and it's like I'm back in the game. And then she said, see if you can see how I made a dog out of the number 25. And it felt so good to look at the number 25 instead of 50. So thank you. <laughs> Emily, and then Weston today said, uh, with age comes wisdom. With wisdom comes respect. With respect comes honor. And with the senior deal comes two biscuits and bottomless decaf for $1.99. So loving that. Thank you. And then Brian Duckett saved the day in terms of, okay, what do you do now that you're 50 in terms of bucket list things? He said, hey, man, there's a food challenge over in Brownsburg. Rockstar pizza, 10-pound pizza. If you eat it in 45 minutes, it's free. Are you in? I'm like, oh, yeah. But I need 10 pounds, so each eat five pounds worth of pizza, so I need to lose five. But as soon as I do that, I'm in. So thanks, uh, Brian and then uh, Karen Johansson on behalf of Joe and Karen wrote this. And Karen, you need to write a book. Unless uh, she is a gifted in journalism, but, but this really meant a lot. She says, a "Happy birthday for the fiftieth time." We can assure you that this is a, a great age to be. Lots of experience behind you to inform the years of life and ministry ahead of you. Each day walking with the Lord, as Zephaniah said it so well in chapter three, verse seventeen. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Love, Joe and Karen. And then, last but not least, happy birthday, Dad. Love you to the moon and back, Jesse. So my tank is full. (laughs) But thank you all very much. And for the chance to to share life together. All right. All right. Well, moving into this Upper Room Momentum series, we're shifting from Purify was a focus on, Lord, what are you doing in my heart and creating me a pure heart to, okay, now, moving out into, what what would you have us do as we set out to go be a blessing? And so we'll begin in verse, uh, we're going to work our way through the entire chapter 13, but we'll start with... uh, verse 34 and 35, and by the way, on the birthday note, Lucy Chittister turns another year older today. Derek Heller, are you in here? Derek's turning another year older, and Arian uh, Dorsey as well. So if you see them, give them a hug. But, uh, but moving moving into verse 34, here we go. Jesus is speaking, and he says, a new command I give you, love one another. And the question that comes to mind is as we read this new what's he I thought this was old and sure enough you investigate it it is it's back Leviticus 19 this is love one another is throughout the Old Testament so in what way is this new and we see it as we read on a new command I give you love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another what makes this old command new The old command was love each other as you love yourself. The new command is we are to love one another as Jesus has loved us. And so the question immediately comes to mind, what's this look like? How do we do it? And then why? Why is this so important? And in this text, and as we get to relive these moments, we see three vivid pictures of what it looks like to love with his kind of love, and then how we do this and and, uh, why it matters. So We'll begin working our way through the text. Verse 1 says, it was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to his father. I love this picture of our departure. And yes, it's hard to leave the people we love, but as followers of Christ, we're going to someone, aren't we? We'll enter the presence of of our father. But then it says, and this is a summary statement, having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them to the finish, summarizing just what's about to come. Like, he took it to the finish, and I think what a great prayer for us, what a great legacy could have on our tombstone, right? They loved loved their own that were in the world, but then to the finish, I loved him. But then you see that the shadow come in in verse 2 as it says that the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon, to betray Jesus, and the word that we see flow into this text three times. Three times we see it is this word "betray." Good, perfect, good, perfect love and evil sitting at the same table. Well, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power; that He was, He had come from God, He was returning to God. So He got up from the ta- from the meal. Where's He going? took off his outer clothing, so he must be staying, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin. You can just hear it, trinkle, 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 into this this bowl, and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Do you feel this text slow? Like, he could have just said he washed their feet. No, he gives us the, the the detailed. Took his coat off, tied on the towel, poured the water, washed their feet. And how long does that take? Well, tw- twenty six dirty feet. If you if you're moving quick, I'm guessing a minute per foot. So, or I'm sorry, a minute per person. So at least probably over ten. Minutes. I think John's wanting us to slow into the awkwardness of what they felt. It's an awkward, awkward moment. And Peter, the guy who, who normally says what everybody else is thinking, um, says this. He says, Lord, in verse 6, are you going to wash my feet? Meaning you wash my feet? Jesus replies, well, you do not realize what I am doing now, but later you will understand. No, Peter says, You shall never wash my feet. And I just picture his feet going all, not touching my feet. And uh, Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part for me. Okay, then, Peter replied, then, not just my feet, but wash all of me. Now, what's Jesus saying here? And and we know he's he's talking on two levels, not just the dirty feet that they got from the road. Being cleansed by the Lord is cleansing our sin. And we know that there's the, the initial, when we receive Christ as our Savior, and as our substitute, he died in our place. We are forgiven forever of all the sin we past, present, future. We stand right before God, and we can't fall out of that place of acceptance and, and love. But as we do life through the everyday avenues of life, we will fail him, pick up some dirt on our feet. And that's what he's, there's a daily cleansing, and as we come and confess our sin to him, and that's the picture that, that our Lord has in mind As he says, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet and their whole body is clean. And you are clean, speaking of Peter, though not every one of you, so someone around this table hasn't believed him, believed in him and trusted him. Verse 11, for he knew he was going to betray him. And there's that word again. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place and he said, do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is, that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than this master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent them. Meaning, if I did this for you guys, and you're my servants and messengers, how much more Should you do this for each other? And then he says this, now, now that you know these things, you will be blessed. And this year, we're we're in this whole idea of we've been blessed to be a blessing. The path of blessing is found if we will do these things. The first image we see here, what's it mean when Jesus says, okay, new command. This is big. Love each other the way I have loved you. What's that look like as we go out everyday life? Here it is. First, it's, it's a foot-washing love that humbly serves those around us who may be painfully self-centered. You know when you're going through something really hard? Maybe it's a tough day at work, tough day at school, tough. You, you just received some hard news, a, a relationship's unraveling, and you're dying inside. And the people around you, all they can see is themselves and their issues and their problems. And what do you do with that moment? Jesus, here, he's looking at suffering on the cross hours away. And yet, in that moment of his greatest need, greatest pain... Here he has his 11 guys he's been pouring into. Of all the times, he needed some encouragement. He needed his feet to be washed. They're too proud to do it. Luke t- tells us that before they walked into this place, they're arguing about who is greatest. Therefore, they're not going to get up and wash each other's feet. How this must hurt the, hurt, hurt the heart of our Lord. And yet, what does he do? <laughs> he gets up. and He washes their feet. Those who are painfully self-centered. And as you think about your own life and What's it look like to love like Christ? What's the one thing, the new command? It's in those moments when you're surrounded by those who may not be seeing past their own self, saying, all right, Jesus, I'm following you, and I'll serve them, meet their needs, humbly do what you've called me to do as I help them, do good for them. Normally, we stop reading right here, but What happens next is a shocking revelation as the the scene just flows on where he says, although I'm not referring to all of you in verse 18, I know those whom I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the passage of Scripture. He who shares my bread has turned against me. Now, he's quoting Psalm chapter 41, verse 9, a psalm of David, which Jesus is saying this is who David was talking about. If you go back and read that psalm, you can feel the hurt. David's saying, you know, the, the one who, like, we were close. We were intimate. Like, we did meals together. And this word, this phrase, share bread, it's the idea of intimate friendship. In the, this Middle Eastern culture, when you shared bread or, and specifically gave bread to someone, it was a, a symbol of intimacy, of, of trust, of friendship. And he's saying to the, uh, the guys, what's about to happen, it's a fulfillment of this, And then he says, I am telling you this now before it happens so that when it happens, you will believe that I am who I am. What's Jesus doing right here? One of their teammates, trusted teammates, is going to turn. It's going to shake their faith. And Jesus is saying, I'm telling you this right now. This is prophecy. Like It's being fulfilled. This is part of God's perfect plan. This betrayal that's going to play out, don't let it shake your faith. And then he says, very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I, I send accepts me. Whoever accepts, accepts me um, accepts the one who sent me. And then after this, he said, or, or after he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and he testified, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. And you just see the heart of our Lord and it, this is going to hurt. Well, that lands. On these guys, you can imagine how that lands on them. it just goes silent in the room. It says his disciples stared at one another they didn't they're looking around at a loss as to to know which one he meant. Well, one of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him and in this culture they didn't sit at a table like we sit at with chairs. they would recline and around the table there was a spot for the the host who was the host of the dinner, which would have been Jesus. And they would lean on their left arm, feet away from the table, and so that they could eat with their right arm. And so most feel that this person was John, um, who's to the right of him, who's, who's leaning right next to him. And says, so Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. So you can imagine Peter across the table like, you know, like, Ask, who is this? And resolve this tension. So leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. And then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Interesting, where was Judas sitting at the table? We don't know for sure, but scholars speculate that he was sitting on the left of Jesus. The, uh, the fact that they could have this conversation, Jesus could easily hand the piece of bread to him, evidence of this. But, and what do we know about the left in this culture, the person sitting to the left? What, what place was that? It was the place of honor. What did Jesus teach his disciples? You don't, you don't take the place of honor. You ask, or you let the host invite you to the place of honor. A host would, would ask someone, hey, you come sit here. Indicating and really the, the tone of Psalm 41 9, this is somebody who's a close friend, somebody that I like, somebody that I trust. Likely, Jesus invited Judas to sit right next to him on this night. Why? I think we see the love of God. He wanted Judas, he knew what was going on in Judas's heart, but he wanted him close so that he could warn him, so that he could share to this last moment, the last moment that our Lord has with the one who will betray him, what's he doing? He's loving him. We see it as it plays out. It says, uh, or, or even then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. And so Jesus told him, what you're about to do, do quickly. But no one at the table, at the meal, understood why Jesus said this to him, since Judas had charge of the money. Some thought that he was telling him to go uh, buy what was needed for the festival or to, uh, to, to give something to the poor. As soon as, as soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. Interesting, as John writes, this, uh, this text, he, he's talking on two levels. When he says night, yes, it was night in that it was dark outside, but it was night in a, another way. And William Barclay said it so well, I thought I'd, I'd just share this with you. It said, uh, he says, it is always night when a person goes from Christ to follow his own purposes. It is always night when a person listens to the call of evil rather than the summons of good. It is always night when hate out the light of love, it is always night when a person turns his back on Jesus. But if we submit ourselves to Christ, we walk in the light. If we turn our backs on Him, we go into the dark. The way of light and the way of dark are set before us. May God give us the wisdom to choose aright. For in the dark, a man always gets lost. We know that's Judas's life and the tragedy of this moment. But the hope for us. And I think the the redeeming piece of this story is, as we see our Lord, what's it look like for us to love as He loves us? It's a bread-sharing love in that we are doing good, even to the people who would betray us. What do you do when you sit at the same table as evil? I was just talking with a friend in the foyer who said, this week, I'm going to pull up at the table, corporate America, I know, can be cutthroat, and evil's going to be sitting right there with you. Somebody will easily betray. What do you do in that moment? Our Lord tells us, as my disciple, new command. You love. You love. You love. You seek that person's good. You share your bread, your friendship, your intimacy. We, 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 don't, we do put up boundaries, and we, it's, it's good to protect ourselves in, in ways. But our heart is nothing but love, pure love even to the, to the finish. But then he gives us a, uh, another picture here, and it's interesting, as Judas exits, you can almost feel a fresh urgency that, that comes to Jesus's tone, as well as a, a fresh intimacy with the guys that are still sitting around the table. As it says, verse 31, when he was gone, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. And what's he seeing? He's, he's looking at the cross. Now Now... Um, he's going to go do the will of God, and, and the glory of God is going to be seen through the cross. He says in verse 32, if God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. And it's interesting, as Jesus looks at the cross, he's also seeing the finish, the glory of it all. And we see, this was Hebrews 12, two, where he says, um, he was looking at the joy set before him. And I just think about our moments of when we're bearing our own cross, and it's hard. We're, we're looking ahead to know This isn't the end of the story, but then he says this, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, but as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come, but a new command I'm giving you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Well, Simon asked him, Lord, where are you going? So what just happened here? <laughs> Jesus said, I'm, I'm going where you can't go. So here's what you need to know. Love each other. Well, well how'd that hit Simon? Whoop, right over his head. He's stuck on, where are you going, Lord? I, I want to be with you, which was a noble thought. But uh, Jesus replied, again, where I'm going, you cannot follow me. But you will follow later. You will will be together again. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And then Jesus answered, This was what hit me, I don't know if you felt this throughout the Purify series, but uh, 10 weeks of looking into my own heart and my tainted motives and love and all that stuff and just realizing um, I can walk out of here saying, Lord, I'm all in for you, I'll follow you, but what's the truth? Are we going to fail at some point before we hit heaven's shores? Yep, every one of us. We'll deny our Lord with our actions. Choose our way versus his way. And it's hard to look at. And it must have been hard for Peter as Jesus said, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, Peter, you're going to disown me three times before the sun rises or the rooster crows. You're going to deny me. But what's this moment tell us? Peter, you're going to deny me, but while you're denying me, I'll be bearing your cross. I'm going to be dying for you. Peter, my love for you doesn't hinge upon your devotion to me. Never forget that. And as you deny me and you look back on that moment, your denial forms your job description when I'm gone. Meaning, you're going to be living with other people, even in this group, who are going to fail you, hurt you, deny you. And you know how you respond to them? The same way I responded to you. You love them. And don't just love them a little bit. Be willing to die for them. Take up your cross. Here God calls us not only to a foot-washing love, a bread-sharing love, but a cross-bearing love for the people around us who hurt us deeply. Do you feel the upper room momentum coming out of this? Just like, man. One thing. One thing. A new command I'm giving you. Love each other like this. And we say, okay, how? How do we do this? And we see a clue. If you look back in verse 3, how did Jesus get up and love like this? What was going through his heart and his mind? Verse 3 says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God, he was returning to God, and so he got up from the meal and started to love them. How do we love each other with this kind of love? Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Mindset. And who are we? We're the dearly loved children of God. I love what Colossians 3, everyday creed, chosen, holy, dearly loved. Remember that. Remember that you don't have to hold on to position, power, anything down here. Remember that. But don't just remember who you are. Remember where you came from. Jesus knew where he came from. Where'd you come from? Where'd I come from? We came, we were dead in our sin, and yet God, in his mercy, made us alive in Christ, opened our eyes to the beauty of the gospel, and he recreated us to do good works. We're his masterpiece, uniquely created in Christ to do good, and then remember where you're going. Jesus knew who he was. He knew where he came from. He knew where he was going, returning to the Father. I love this. In these moments that we're called to love, and it's hard to love. It feels like dying, carrying a cross. Remember where you're going, headed home. This is not home. This is, uh, this is the mission field, right? This is where we live on mission. We live out his love. We're headed home, where he's preparing a place for us. And then the third question that comes to our mind is, okay, we know what it looks like. We know how to do it in terms of mindset, but why does it matter? And Jesus answers this question in verse 35 as he says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if, if, if you love one another. What's to be the mark of of us as a church and every other church that are followers of Christ? What's the mark of maturity? What's what's the main thing? Jesus says, this is it. As you love each other the way I love you, everyone, your kids watching, those inside, those outside, everyone will know that you are my disciples as you love each other with a foot washing bread, sharing, cross-carrying love. Everyone will know that you are my disciples. This is our witness. This is our compelling apologetic to a watching world. Isn't that awesome? Doesn't that make you want to just go? This is our, our calling. Go love one another as I have loved you Dr. Bartholomew was a guy that, uh, if I gave you a picture of him, you would, and said, okay, what's he do for a living? You would, I'm confident you would guess. He's a college professor. He just looked the part, and he taught literature at the school I went to, so most of what, he was a brilliant guy, Christ follower. Most of what he said went flying over my head, but there's a moment in Dr. Bartholomew's class that I, I still remember, and I still see the green chalkboard. I see him up there just waxing eloquent, and he was, is it possible to get a clean screen here? And I'll I'll go ahead. He's writing these, uh, he's writing all these commands, like the Ten Commandments one, two, three, four, five. He's writing all the, the commandments in the New Testament, blah, 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 blah. But then he goes, All right, guys, right here. New command hangs on this. Every command in the Bible, everything God said, you can line them up under this new command. And I grew up in this church, awesome church, and I know I heard this many times, but as a college student, when your heart's open, okay, okay, how am I going to live my life? My heart was open to receive this, and it, it changed how I saw life. New command. And aren't you thankful we don't have to follow 50, 100? We have one command. Here it is. Just go love one another. Guys, love one another in this circle the way I loved you. That's it. That's it. Foot washing, humbly serving those who are self-centered, bread sharing, loving your enemy to the very finish, cross bearing. That's it. Isn't that awesome? Go bless energy. Go bless momentum. This is the heart from which we live. We ask, okay, Lord, how? How am I going to live this out? And he says, remember who you are. I love it how it's in that everyday creed, Colossians 3, right in the middle. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, meaning set apart for a special purpose, and dearly loved, like not just loved, but you're dearly loved. Never forget who you are. Clothe yourselves with what? Compassion, kindness, good gentleness, bearing with each other, and how's he wrap it all up? And around all these virtues, put on what? Not eros, not philas, agape, which binds them together in perfect unity. He says it again to the Galatians. Guys, the only thing that matters is faith. What? Playing out in love. There you have it. Love one another. Whew. All right. So how do we do this? And I was subtly practicing this message with Tam on Friday night, i like, hey, babe, um, when I say, you know, a new command I give you, love one another, and I was wondering, is, is there anything in here that she's not familiar with? She, she finished it for me. She quotes the rest of this verse, to which is always a bad day when i thinking about bringing a message. I'm like, you guys already know all this, right? <laughs> the curse of knowledge. You know, we know this, right? Love each other. We, we, we know this from the time we're here. So I thought, let's, let's land on application, how do we play this? Is this, are we living this out? And three questions which will help us apply this to our lives. The first is, am I flying in formation? Application one, am I flying in formation? Do you remember when we had the polar vortex back this winter? And those winds were just whiffing at like 20 plus miles an hour from the North Pole. I was driving along and I saw a flock of geese just barreling towards Alabama on those winds. And it, it hit my funny but bone. And I'm like, if I could jump up with you, I would go. Uh, Good idea, guys. Too cold up here. But the uh, scene changed for me when I saw a little duck that was flying outside their formation, flapping furiously to keep up. It was like flapping three times to every one of their flaps. So spending energy and the winds were just, the duck looked like it was just getting tossed here, there, because it wasn't in the formation. And, And it hit me. This thought hit me. God created us to fly in formation, didn't he? He created us to to fly in formation. How do I know this? Our one command demands what? Community. New command. One thing to do. Love one another. How do we love one another if we're not flying in formation, right? It it demands relationship. and, And so today, if you're feeling like that duck, as I thought, looked at that duck, my other thought was the, only, the odds of that duck making it to Alabama are slim. It'll be lucky to make it to, you know, Kentucky. It's going to bonk. But if it would be dropped down into formation, it gets energy from others. So the calling for us is, or, or the challenge and invitation to you, if you're feeling like the duck all alone, maybe you're coming to big church, but you don't have a band of brothers or sisters, a small group or a, a community somewhere around you that will help um, to just ask, Lord, help me drop into formation. And, and we want to help you as a church. If there's ways that, that we can, one of the best ways, our Connect 101 course, we do this twice a year, is really just to help us fly in formation. Those of you who God has nudged to be part of our church family, which we love having you here, but um, how do you get from Sunday to actually sharing life together? And Connect 101 is that next step. And it'll, it starts in a couple weeks. You can sign up on the Connect card or just show up, but we're praying for like 50 to 100 of us just to gather. It's fun. It's interactive, but you can learn more about our church, but also just meet new friends and connect in relationship. But even if you are a part of our church family, what, what's that look like for you to fly in formation is a good application question. A second question then is, who is, who is in my flock? If I'm to be flying in formation, then who's in my flock? And just getting a read on that, and epiphany hit me. I was sitting with some friends in the balcony right over here a couple months ago as Pastor Tyson was teaching, and I was looking around our church family and just noticing again how, as humans, we tend to sit in the same spot. And so I'll come in here sometimes and pray throughout the week, and as I sit, I'll sit in your chair, and I think about you, you know, whoever it is that sits in that spot and pray for you, and... I'm sitting up there thinking about this. And I'm like, oh my. I am so slow, but I, I, I got it, Lord. Thank you. Why do humans sit in the same spot? You guys ever thought about this? I sit over here. I don't know why, but I sit on the right side. If I move over to the left side and I've tried this, it messes me up. Everything's off. It's like, ah. I feel like that duck. I'm just Anybody else feel like that? Now, some of you are divergent. You can sit anywhere. But, but But most of us land in the same spot. Why? The same reason geese fly in a formation. Instinct, right? And what purpose does instinct play? We sit in the same spot to help us connect with the same people to love each other. If the new command is love and love is the main thing, That's why God's given us this instinct, I can assume. So the question then is who's in your flock? And I stopped seeing this room as one room, and I started seeing flock one, flock two, flock three, flock four, flock five, flock six, and flock seven. And so what a cool every Sunday, God sovereignly and providentially has wired you to show up and sit in that same spot so that you can love the people in your flock. Isn't that cool? So who's in your flock? And just look around and say, man, good to be in a flock with you. <laughs> Actually, I was thinking, okay, elders, and this may, we may have more elders in the first service than this service. If you're an elder, would you go ahead and stand? And stand up. Holy cow, Sam and Travis, you guys are responsible for flock one and flock two. <laughs> okay, you guys stay standing. Have our deacons stand. If you're a deacon, go ahead and stand. Anybody on the deacon team? Go ahead and stand up. All right, good. We have Roger. okay, we, we do need to add a few more. okay, thank you guys. but one of the one of the thoughts is, if you ever have a need like you come into church and, and your heart's breaking and you need prayer right then, there's your lead goose or yeah, analogy breaking down. <laughs> Sam would love to pray with you, and he sits in this area almost every Sunday Travis almost always sits back there we need a leader to step up over here anybody Kevin Kevin will be the lead goose over here and uh but isn't that cool and just so this is I'm thinking about this like Lord I didn't see this for all these years but now I see it we get a text Tam gets a text in the afternoon from her mom Lois Devers and mom and Mo sit back in that flock and she said we didn't see Dick Burks here at church today We know he's battling with cancer. Is he okay? And right, Dick's back there with him right now. I'm like, I go to visit Wanda Ludlow, Danville Rehab, who broke her leg and is in a just a brutal rehab time. Wanda, how you doing? Good Uh, Troy and Tina Anderson, and she sits in this flock. They sit in this flock. Troy and Tina Anderson missed me at church and they came and visited me days ago. They beat the pastor. Why? Sitting in the same flock. Isn't that awesome? So who's in your flock would be a great question to ask. And then, which leads to the the last question, is uh, how can I love the people around me? Thinking about three realms of how we love, and and I feel like I'm preaching to the choir here. You guys are doing this, but number one, how can I love my church family? What are the needs here? And just asking, Seth Baker, Kids Ministry, where, where can I help pour into kids? What are the needs? Uh, wherever. And, and uh, we have opportunities to serve. If you go to our website, there's a serve page, and you can plug in and, and help out. Today we is the official day that we welcome another Sarah Johnson into our church family. Here's Sarah, Michael's Sarah. Evan's wife is also Sarah. But uh, Sarah came from Utah. They met, and um, they're in their first year of marriage and really need to hear her faith story and and the things. She's a... a uh, a go-getter in the realm of many, all kinds of realms, but golf. If she, Because she joined our church, our corporate golf handicap just improved. So she's a, you get Michael and uh, Sarah on your team for all these uh, scrambles and what have you, and, and you got a shot to win it. She won the Utah High School Championship for girls three years. In a, three years. And uh, is a, just took a job as golf pro over at Prestwick and is helping them rebuild and everything. But uh, what stood out to me with her faith story was She came to Christ as a a girl. Her family helped her in that, was a part of a small church. And almost immediately, she started serving humbly, those around her. And she worked as a counselor at the camp. It was a little camp. Her church put the camp on, but she would serve kids. She shows up here, and guess where she's at? Helping out high school. And she's a, a student leader back, helps lead students towards Christ, and um, she and Michael lead a small group as well, and just really neat to see her serving her church family. So that's a great um, first question. How can I serve the team? A second question is, how can I serve our community? And so appreciate John and Ann Johansson as they help us with the Compassion Ministry team. They orchestrate probably um, a dozen different ministries, a dozen plus, that are uniquely designed to help different needs in our community. Say families where we we host and if you read your bulletin, there's often a an opportunity to love big serving our community. And so thank you for the part that you're playing. Know that there's always opportunities. And one of the, the exciting ones this, this year was life steps, as we launched this new program, which was aimed not just to, to treat symptoms, but to treat the root cause of, of poverty and where people are really living paycheck to paycheck and one crisis away from being homeless or without food, we step in and we have nine families every Wednesday night that show up back here in the fireside room and meet with an ally who's just a friend in Christ and doing life together. Simple things like, okay, what was the goal you had this week and how'd it go? And how can I pray for you and help you and encourage you? And we've had people get their driver's license. Um, Big step towards getting out of poverty. Get a new house um, get a new job, a better job that will provide, and it's happening as people are just saying, "All right, Lord, how do you want me to love?" And if you want to be part of that ministry, see uh, John and Mindy Duckett has uh, leads this and and a neat picture. And then one other opportunity that I just love. Here we're blessed with affluence, but how do we make a difference in the world where so much poverty is wiping kids out and families out? And Compassion International is an organization that I'm sure many of you are, are aware of, but appreciate uh, Le- Dan and Lisa Breeland have been involved in this. And Lisa comes now just to give us a window into their journey with this ministry. What I love about it is Christ-centered, child-focused, but it, can, it, it teams with churches. So it helps the kid get into the fly-in formation and get into the community that will be redemptive. So can you welcome Lisa as she comes.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Pastor, and thank you, church family, for this opportunity to share. Um, Compassion International is a ministry that's really dear to my heart. Um, My husband, Dan, and I, we have been sponsoring Jose, who is a 13-year-old boy now, um, from Bolivia through Compassion International. We started in actually March of 2013. Um, We were excited to partner with Compassion International because Um, They partner with local churches to provide nutrition, educational, medical, and spiritual resources. Those things include pregnancy coaching, parenting support, checkups, immunizations, baby supplies, schooling, health and hygiene training, ongoing medical care, nutritious food, higher educational opportunities, internships, and skills training, as well as church-based discipleship programs. So we personally began writing letters to Jose and sending pictures, and we were we were thrilled to build a relationship with him as he wrote us back and drew us pictures. Um, he tells us a lot about his life in Bolivia, his family, his friends, his hobbies, and the things that he gets to do um, with the Ministry of Compassion. And in turn, we get to share our life with him as well as our hope of Christ. Um, It's been awesome, too, for our family because we are able to include our three-year-old daughter, Jolie. Um, She loves to look at his picture on our fridge, and she loves to pray for him with us as a family. Um, She also really loves to draw him pictures, (laughs) and we send those to him um, often. Uh, One of our favorite letters that we ever received from Jose actually came in December of 2013, and that letter um, in that letter, he told us that he accepted Christ as his personal Savior. We were blessed um, to be a part of that, um, and to be a part of what God is doing in a boy's life across the world. Um, so, if this ministry is something that you guys might be interested in, um, we have a booth set up in the gym. Um, you can stop by, and we—I would love to share more with you. Um, if you know, you need to pray about it and you want to talk to me a little bit later, you can message me, call me anytime. I would love to share more about it. Um, One of the verses that I just wanted to kind of leave you guys with was Proverbs 31.8. And it says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. There is a child who needs you. Awesome.
1: Thank Thank you. So Jesus, on the the night that he was betrayed, the night that, just before the cross, he says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your word to us today. Thank you for the reality that this command is really birthed and saturated with your love. That our marching orders blow out of our relationship with you and understanding that there's never a moment that we step outside of of your love. That your love is a foot-washing, bread-sharing, cross-bearing love. And as we receive your love and and, uh, worship you for your love, we're energized to love as you love. And so help us as we go out today. We love you. Thank you for the cross. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgestanville.com.